Hello all you seekers, explorers and renegades out there. Welcome to another episode of the Alchemy Experience Podcast. I'm your host, Christopher Lemke. Behaviors is our outwardly expression of our uh, words, thoughts and actions that all come from core wounding, experiences, perceptions, programming, conditioning, uh, religious background, etc, etc. These behaviors we develop over time, enshrining our habits and patterns uh, that then become this outwardly expression of uh, the different experiences we've had uh, previously in our lives. So let's take a look at uh, how we develop these behaviors, how we can identify them and uh, how we can shift them uh, towards healthy behaviors uh, as we go through life. We judge ourselves by our intentions and others by their behaviors. So this comes from uh, Stephen M. R. Covey, uh, or Covey. The speed of trust, uh, the one thing that changes everything, um, is his book. So as I mentioned to everybody before, that when we talk about behavioral science, it's really anything any of various disciplines dealing with the subject of human uh, actions. So it could be in politics, it could be in economics, it could be in marketing, uh, sales, what have you. Uh, Any type of behavior that you can look at and uh, record, I suppose, and uh, then create some sort of a statistical analysis from, Uh, would then be considered uh, behavioral science. Uh, So from uh, the perspective of what we're talking about today, really looking to see, you know, and this is a lot uh, for many of us that still have some, you know, we are on the path, but we do have behaviors that show up from time to time that we want to examine and kind of question our motives behind. But also, if there are people out there that really are still sleepwalking through life and uh, give them an opportunity to kind of start the process of uh, waking up to their own selves and start becoming aware of themselves. So we'll uh, kind of look at it from that perspective. Um, So when we're looking at behavior, it's really comes from our experiences our conditioning, our core wounding, programming, karmic energy, depending on your uh, belief system. If you believe in reincarnation, then, you know, it's something that will carry on, carry through through lifetimes. Uh, But karmic energy could also be an ancestral um, karma that shows up in the way that we are raised. And as parents, we may not be aware of it. Uh, It's just kind of something that is carried over very subtly and in, in the way that we are being raised and then we carry it on to our own child uh, children unless we become aware of this behavior uh, and can see that uh, as something that we want to change so in terms of behavior these are the things that show up and uh, create this uh, platform for us to behave from as it were Now, when we become more uh, aware of ourselves, then we can look at our own behavior and we can say, okay, well, this particular behavior here doesn't resonate with uh, 
what I authentically believe or the belief system that I'm moving into. So this is a behavior I want to change. But the challenge is when we are more kind of sleepwalking through life or when we, we haven't woken up to start becoming reflective towards ourselves, you know, we, we do tend to justify our behavior by uh, different uh, standards as it were. So for example, it could be, you know, I justify my behavior of doing this because this is how I was raised. You know, my, my, I treat my children because, uh, this way because this is how I, I'm used to or how I was raised by my, uh, my parents. Or uh, if I don't do it this way, then this is going to happen. So it's the kind of the, the fear paradigm uh, that we exist in. Uh, or, you know, I've always done it this way, so why should I change, right? Or it could be, you know, it's morally correct for me to behave this way because the other person is wrong. So again, working from that programming or that conditioning. Um, but also it could be that I'm protecting something. You know, I'm protecting uh, my reputation. I'm protecting whatever it may be. So, um, so it's really about looking at how do we justify our behavior. And once we start looking at that and start questioning that, then it's just like in psychotherapy when we talk about pattern interrupt, um, when we start looking at the different patterns we have in our lives, so take simple example, how we get dressed or uh, you know, how we brush our teeth, those are all patterns that are built into our subconscious because patterns are from you learn something and you know it intellectually, then as you practice it, it becomes something that you know intimately and then when it becomes a habit, you then build it in to become a pattern within uh, the way that you behave. Uh, so brushing your teeth, for example, if I'm to ask anybody, how do you brush your teeth? You really have to think about it. Yes, okay, I start from the outside there and then I go over there. You know, it's not something that you need to think about when you stand there brushing your teeth because it happens automatically, it's a pattern. So what we wanna do in pattern interrupt is to really uh, change those patterns. So we, we become aware of it and then we can say, okay, well, today I'm going to stop brushing my teeth this way or today I'm going to get dressed this way. So we bring this mindfulness to the pattern. And when we then uh, bring the mindfulness to the pattern, we can break the pattern or interrupt the pattern. Uh, and that's the same thing with the different behaviors that we have. Uh, the first step is step is really to bring awareness to it. And then we can start moving in towards uh, changing it. But the first step is to bring awareness to it and to start understanding it. Because oftentimes we don't understand that it's something that is not really working out for our highest good or for our own best. Uh, it's really a, just something that we do and we just exist in this uh, kind of <laughs> um, ferris wheel, or, you know, a, a hamster wheel as well. Um, so that stepping off that wheel requires that we bring attention to the fact that we are in the wheel. And then we can then take a step off.
Yeah, I was just going to say in the, in the last year uh, for myself, I've always, uh, after events, internalised the thought process of what happened and how I responded and how I should have responded, like, you know, that sort of natural human response. But in recent time, I've actually sort of been more aware of how I'm reacting before I react and therefore taking, taking almost a moment before I react. Um, and it's, it, it, it's, for myself, has become uh, a, a way of processing and, and making, if, if I have a, re- a reaction in a negative way, it actually uh, softens the damage that I do or the response I get from the other person. So I think taking that time to, to listen before you actually respond, that split second before you actually verbalise what's gone through your mind, um, and almost holding yourself accountable for uh, that reaction that goes through the, the the mental mental shift before it comes almost a verbal or a physical. So yeah, I think it's just part part of uh, when you become sort of more aware of the environment, aware of yourself, that you actually start to notice um, and therefore uh, be able to process that at a slower rate than also just a reactionary rate. So, is that is that a deliberate process that you practiced, or is that something that you just noticed yourself start doing? How how's that come about, Cam? No, I think it was uh, it was an awareness of uh, my impact that I was having on people around me. Um, that uh, that I it wasn't necessarily that I could change their them. It was something that I could change myself. Well, I, so yes, it became something I was very aware of. And therefore, sort of almost had held myself accountable. Okay, so uh, it kind of snuck up on you, but then became a, more of a uh, uh, conscious practice that you uh, uh, brought into your as a habit, as it were. Correct. Yeah, very much so. Very much so. Okay. Yeah, because what you're describing is exactly what I prescribe to all my clients, and I talk about it uh, on this podcast a lot. Is is this? function of observing your own experiences and uh, so that you can catch that trigger before it goes into your thought process and uh, kind of starts to become uh, become part or trigger that uh, behavior behavior pattern as it were yeah i think that's, i think what you're saying is 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 seeing that that trigger and knowing what the trigger is that way then you, you, yes, you might be still triggered by it, but you're not going to put your finger, you're not going to pull the full trigger. You might pull it halfway. And obviously, as time progresses, you're very aware that, you know, that what will trigger you, therefore, you're not triggered by it. You're not so triggered by it. Your process is already, your mind's already saying, okay, it's, it's, it's their response to you. It's your, it's your reaction to that, to that uh, scenario. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's, that is the key in order to behave be able to change that behavior like I was talking about with the uh, or that pattern uh, like I was talking about the uh, the toothbrushing is that you bring awareness to it and you you bring your mindfulness to the process or you bring your mind to it and you become mindful of the process and you you through that you change so same thing if you you get triggered by someone uh, someone makes you angry as it were and you observe the anger coming up rather than allowing the anger to or for you to jump in and attach to the anger and act from the anger from a behavioral pattern you observe the anger and you say well 
I have a choice here how I react, like how I'm going to behave. Uh, and I can choose either to uh, kind of trigger my pattern, which is jump down to someone's throat, or I can uh, choose to uh, go down another path uh, of compassion and just being mindful of other people's experiences and so forth. Um, appreciate that. Thank you, Cam. Um, also, when we start to, when, when this pattern becomes, uh, shall we say, invisible to us, so we, it's so deeply embedded in our um, subconscious that it starts to become part of your personality. So you might, so someone from, from an external point of view, that is. So people might just, someone might be known as a happy, jolly person, or someone uh, might be known as uh, being naive or uh, grumpy or whatever else that someone else might describe them as. Um, and that's when it really is a challenge for someone to uh, be brought to awareness about those uh, kind of patterns when they are so ingrained as part of their personality. Uh, because if anybody was to bring it to their attention, um, immediately that defense mechanism is going to um, kind of kick in because now we are uh, we're kind of addressing their personality. We're addressing them or we're kind of uh, questioning them as a person, uh, which is really challenging. Uh, you know, when I was, you know, sleepwalking through life myself, if anybody was to bring that level of criticism uh, or feedback to me, then uh, surely I would not have appreciated it. Today, it's a different matter because I, I, I welcome that kind of feedback. And it's like, um, you know, I, then I, if, if someone brings it to me, then that's, then I know I have something to work on. Either I can, or there could be that someone, uh, you know, I, I trigger someone because of their challenges or their core wounding, then perhaps it's not something that I need to work on, but I always bring it to me or take it to heart and look at, okay, why has, why have they felt that I've shown up as this uh, person or uh, with this behavior? So, it's when we have that personality, then it's, it is really challenging, but it's the feedback from interactions that really allow us to uh, start looking at things. And this is where, you know, working as a coach and a mentor, oftentimes the function I fulfill is to point out things that are in people's blind spots, you know, that they may not, you know, may not see themselves. So, I'm kind of, you know, people hire me to <laughs> give them feedback on their personality, to give them feedback on their behavior and the way that they, uh, you know, show up in life. Um, and so when we get that feedback and we all, of course, we always have to look at, you know, who's giving the feedback. Uh, is it someone who, he might not have our best intentions at heart, well then, okay, well, we have to look at that and say, okay, balance the, the uh, who, who the uh, 
um, information is coming from. You know, if it's someone who's equally asleep as oneself, then yeah, that might not necessarily be there for the highest good of the of the, your path. Um, you know, we're looking at you know, is this information triggering me? Is the feedback triggering me? If it is, that's a bloody good uh, indication that there is something to work on. Because if it wasn't triggering you, uh, or rather, if something is triggering you, that means there is an uh, unhealed element of that within yourself that you can work on. So if it is triggering you, it's, uh, as I always say, you know, don't waste a good trigger because that is a beautiful opportunity to go in and start working on something that you may not have been at all aware of. So triggers are good. Um, and also looking at, you know, uh, is someone mirroring the behavior of myself? So if I'm annoyed by some, someone's behavior, look in my, uh, then I, again, it's, it is a trigger. So I can look inside myself and say, okay, well, what is it, that aspect that I'm annoyed about? What is it that it's triggering within me? And why do I have that trigger within me? Well, I tend to disagree with the idea that triggers are good because my preference is that I'm looking for triggers not to be there because when then I have a situation where I see that I had reacted a specific way or I would have seen, but previously my behavior would have been to react a certain way before, but now I reacted a different way and I kind of like bypassed the doggy doo that I saw on the sidewalk rather than stepped in it. I feel like I've actually kind of like redirected the pattern. So my preference is always to be looking for the progress to be able to see that I've made the progress of where I'm not doing that any longer um but it's still because i think sometimes people also continue to look for these things and they they almost like they want to be agitated and you know you and i've had conversations too that there are a lot of people that in the media and other places like that their whole entire game is being a provocateur their whole thing is to provoke and poke people for likes and clicks and oh isn't it controversial and did you hear what that person said etc and it's like instead i think that you know, for me, I'm looking for the calm, mellow kindness and where can we find what we all have in common type of a, of a vibration, which is what I consider to be loving and inclusive and having everybody getting along with each other. But to some people, that's kind of a utopia idea and it doesn't fit for them. But I'm not necessarily looking for places of where um, I, I get triggers and I get triggered, but then I have to also see like, you know, have I grown from that and I was able to sidestep it. And so that's where I think it's a beautiful thing that the human being can continue having that opportunity of where if you look at a, a horse stable, I feel really bad for some of those, you know, they call those, you know, flea bitten nags or whatever, because you, you have these old horses that have these flies on them and they're just constantly twitching. It's just twitch, 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 twitch. And you think to yourself, that horse is not happy about all those flies on them and that they're constantly twitching. But it's like at a certain point, can they acclimate themselves to a point where they're not allowing those flies to bother them any longer? Well, I think uh, having grown up on uh, horse farms, I think that is just a uh, reaction with a uh, nervous or nerve reaction within their body. They're not even aware of it happening. So uh, I think that, yeah, the flies are annoying, but I think the horses deal with it. <laughs> they move past it. Um, of course, the point of the trigger is for us to heal the aspect of us that is triggering us so that the, the 
purpose is to move into a space where we are no longer triggered by anything. Um, and that is, you know, then you've uh, reached uh, Shangri-La or, you know, enlightenment or whatever you want to call it. Um, when you reach that stage, when you're no longer triggered, because then you've healed all aspects of yourself. Um, but the triggers, uh, if they occur, then welcome the trigger, right? That's what, and you know, that's exactly what I meant, Barbie, right? <laughs> well, but I'm also saying too, that I think there are a lot of people who say, you know, I don't understand what I know, and you have clients, I have clients that are like this too. I don't understand why this keeps happening. And I don't understand why blah, 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 blah. But it's like, you know, if you go out and seek drama, you're going to find drama. And there's a lot of people that think drama is an exciting way to live life. And I think personally, it's like my preference is to live a drama-free life that's filled with beautiful peace and joy and love and happiness in, a, in an organic and natural way, not an artificial bypass way. But it would be really, really lovely to just kind of glide through, through life in this beautiful opportunity and see all the beauty that's out there to experience. And that whole thing about people going out and intentionally seeking drama it's kind of like on Friday nights or some people that go out, they go to get drunk and go look for a fight and they do that intentionally. It's fun for them. So, you know, I mean, they call those what hooligans, right? There's a particular name specifically for people like to do that. So if you're the kind of person that specifically likes to go out and cause a, you know, ruckus, that's a completely thing of where you're doing that intentionally to cause a, a, a provocation. Absolutely. And that is, a different then you're going out trying to trigger others or you're going out provoking and uh, seeking out confrontation or conflict um, you know whether that being uh, going out getting drunk and uh, looking for a fight on a Friday night or if you're out there causing uh, stirring controversy um, for whatever purpose and and that's you know, I wouldn't say that is a mindful practice. Um, uh, the mindful practice is when, if you say you are a provocateur, uh, you go out there and you provoke people. So what is the purpose of it? What is your motivation? What, why are you doing that? Um, from that, you can then start understanding how you might be able to go about it in a different way. And we talked about this last week, uh, you know, with the, uh, when they asked um, uh, Mother Teresa to uh, join a demonstration against uh, some war. And she said, no, I will never join a demonstration against war, but I'll join a demonstration for peace. Um, so, you know, for her, that was, you know, she, she wouldn't go out to be out there to create division and provoke she would be out there to create unity and uh, something that everybody can uh, join up uh, together so yeah absolutely if you're out there just causing mayhem for the sake of causing mayhem uh, you know of course the, if that's your part that's your part but you know then then you're not on a path to of self-development and uh, <laughs> mindfulness um, and which is a, you know you, you're clearly learning something about yourself and I'm not talking to you now Barbie of course but um, whomever might be out there doing that but I think and it's a good point Barbie because I think people that uh, kind of go down that route eventually they will turn uh, 
not always, but sometimes they turn around and say, okay, why am I doing this? You know, is my behavior really serving, uh, serving me or serving my purpose? Um, and we look at some of the great peaceful leaders in the world, uh, Nelson Mandela, Martin Luther King, uh, Mahatma Gandhi, uh, they didn't start out that way. They didn't start out as being peaceful. They started out, you know, quite from a, a diff different perspective and kind of changed their path uh, as they realized that their behavior to them wasn't how they wanted to behave. Um, and when they uh, changed it towards something that everybody could unite around, that's when they started to really have that huge impact. Um, so I think are looking at our individual behaviors, and I do that all the time, you know, if I blow up at my children, or I yell at them for some reason, and I, <laughs> I always go back and I'm, okay, was that really how I wanted to behave? Um, well, at that time, it was the best I could do. Um, but how can I, what is it within me that I need to go in and start looking at and healing in order to show up as a better role model for my children, for example. Um, and once you do, if you do that work continuously, then you are going to start having an impact on the people around you as well. So you changing your uh, behavior is going to have the impact on others as well. So it's, you know, Looking at others and, uh, you know, uh, what's his name? Uh, Carl Rogers talked about this with the external and the internal locus of evaluation. So a lot of times when we are, uh, you know, kind of stuck in our rut and we're really just looking at the outside, how are people looking at me and being, uh, being seeking or seeking to control uh, everything around us and how people perceive us, um, then we're only looking at the external um, and not looking at, uh, you know, what is my function in this? How am I behaving? And what was my responsibility in this? Like Cam was saying before, you know, it is really a responsibility for each and every one of us to be the best version of ourselves we can be. Um, now, that version is going to be different from one day to another because. You might not be able to go on to that. It might not go from where you are now to uh, you know, full enlightenment in uh, 24 hours. I would say that's quite rare. Um, so it's really what is the best version of myself that I can move into today? What is What can I heal within myself? And it's not really about changing to become something different. It's about healing aspects about yourself that will allow you to show up for yourself in a better way. Uh, that is going to be more, allow you to be more in flow with yourself. So a lot of people that I talk to that really kind of stuck in their behavior, stuck in their patterns, like Barbara was talking about before, you know, why is this always happening to me? And you can point it out to them, and it's clear as day and everybody around them pointed out to them, but because they are so, people are, tend to be very stuck in their ways, they refuse to see it. And 
the only way you can do is, or the only thing you can do then is to say, okay, well, this is your path and I'm, I'm in full acceptance of you pursuing that path. Um, when you're ready to change, then uh, that's up to you. Uh, you know, when you're ready to find that aspect or kind of find that path that is going to allow you to be in more uh, flow, then, you know, that's fantastic. And I'll be here for you if, uh, you know, if that, when, if and when that comes about. So it's also looking at, you know, when, when we see that feedback, we get that feedback from others. What is it that resonates with you? So something might not resonate immediately. So you have that person who's very stuck in their ways and everybody's saying, well, you know, you keep doing this and it's really not something we like and they refuse to change. Well, perhaps that's not resonating with them at that time, but perhaps five years down the line, they, it kind of comes back to them and then it starts resonating with them. So just being there to show others the change you make and that might be triggering some people uh, if you make change or you kind of evolving yourself into a better version of yourself or an optimal version of yourself then others will see that and it's not you don't have to be out there uh, you know preaching to people that oh you got to do this you got to do that it's it's more just showing up and being a, the optimal version of yourself and being a role model. Because once you do that, then the people that resonate with that, just the same way as some people would be triggered, people that would resonate with that will then come to you and say, listen, I'm really curious. I mean, you've really gone through a lot of changes here and I'm wondering how you've done this. Then you have an opportunity to share your story. Right, and it's but again, it's it's looking if if there are things that resonate with you, don't be afraid to take that step. Don't be afraid to take that step to examine yourself and say, "Hmm, that's interesting. I, this resonates with me. So, what is it that I do that is that, or what can I do to show up in a better way um, for myself?" Well, so let's look at uh, shifting behaviors. Going back to once you start becoming aware, as we said, becoming aware is the, that's kind of the entry point where if you're not aware of it, then you can't change it. Uh, so once you start looking at these different feedback mechanisms and you, and you, become aware of something that you want to change perhaps you become aware of that you're short fused uh, you're impatient uh, quick to anger uh, you become aware that perhaps uh, you have uh, when you're out uh, partying that you have a few too many drinks um, or whatever it may be so starting to look at this and starting to understand and be aware of these things that are no longer serving you, how do we go about uh, making those changes? Now, there are obviously loads of different ways of going about it. You 
mindfulness practices, courses, meditation, yoga, uh, exercise, uh, nutrition, uh, psychotherapy, loads of different ways we can go about it. Um, but for me, the techniques I've used that really worked out for me, well, some of those I mentioned already, but meditation is like the starting point for me in a way. Being able to kind of go into that deeper part of myself and start to just ask those questions without that attachment, without any judgment, start working on healing those aspects of myself. Um, and a few a few years ago, probably about four years ago, someone said to me, and I kind of asked that question that Barbie um, post said that clients ask ask us uh, nowadays like well why is this always happening to me and you know someone will invariably say well uh, just find the source of it and heal it I heal it how do i do that <laughs> so um, i'm not going to be as uh, as uh, flippant to to you guys about uh, that as uh, someone was to me but it really is that you go in and start giving yourself compassion and being accepting of the experiences you've had and forgiving yourself and anybody involved. And then realizing what did this experience bring me that I can learn about myself. And that's the gift, right? So when we are looking to shift behavior, it's it's not a matter of, oh, I'm telling yourself I'm going to become less angry or I'm just not going to have as many drinks when I go drinking or partying. It is, okay, what is the source to this? Yeah, when I figured out some of the, the stuff I needed to heal in my life, so uh, as you guys have heard many times, uh, when I started applying the compassion, acceptance, forgiveness, and gratitude to all these different experiences, um, my nicotine addiction kind of disappeared on its own. Uh, same with uh, addiction to uh, caffeine. Uh, I just suddenly stopped drinking coffee because it was no longer serving, or I wasn't covering something anymore because that aspect of myself had already been healed. So anyone out there that is a smoker, uh, there is hope to just go out and uh, work through these different patterns and uh, the coping mechanism is no longer uh, necessary. Um, and it is uh, an opportunity to sit down with yourself and just have that kind of frank <laughs> conversation with yourself. Am I happy with the behaviors that I display? You know. Uh, and especially the behaviors that come up as personality, um, you know, do I really want to be known as, you know, the grumpy, grumpy person, or uh, would it be nicer to? Would I find it more attractive for myself to be known as, you know, jolly person or a happy person? Um, now, some people might say, well, I'm happy being grumpy, then go ahead, be grumpy. 
and that's okay. Um, there is no judgment in it, but if you see that there are behaviors that you have within yourself that you feel that, you know what, I could, I could do without this, you know, and sometimes we just outgrow things. Um, but really going in and working on the, the root cause of it uh, is always beneficial and helpful because then you can release the chain that goes from when that kind of core wounding was established all the way up to the present day. And you just release the whole, uh, whole aspect, whole chain of it. And then uh, you just, everything uh, that kind of is attached to it will be uh, uh, resolved all in, on, all in itself. Um, and we see that in hypnotherapy and psychotherapy. It's quite amazing how when we do regression, for example, you go back to a core wounding um, and the, the client is able to work with that in hypnosis and just release all the situations that have come up. Uh, because when we establish, when we have a core wounding, we start acting from our core wounding as we grow up, then we create situations that kind of mirror the core wounding. Uh, and then we kind of create new situations that we, uh, we're not happy with as it were. But you solve the first original uh, sensitizing event or the core wounding, then it releases all the other events as well. It's uh, quite remarkable to see. And it's, you know, it's remarkable how the uh, subconscious works uh, in that way that you change one thing and then you've released the whole pattern uh, all in its own. Uh, so yeah, again, looking at triggers, uh, yes, we don't want to have triggers, but if we do have them, they are there to help you out and show you the way to, to what needs to be healed. Um, also, uh, you know, Vision Lexiani talks about his rules or his bullshit rules, you know, make that list of rules that you have in your life. Uh, you know, when I, you know, these are my rules for relationships. These are my rules for money. This is, these are my rules for my career. You know, if you have, for example, your rule for your career is to have a good job, then perhaps sit down and say, okay, what is a good job? What is my definition of a good job? Or am I just living the life that I was told I should live? You know, a lot of kids grow up with the idea that, Oh yeah, well, my life is to um, uh, go to college and then get a good job and get married, have kids and uh, retire, and uh, that's it. Hunkadori. Uh, well, that's not appropriate for everybody. So, looking at those lists and saying, "Well, this might not necessarily apply to me anymore," or "This is not something I resonate with." If we don't go and start analyzing that, then we're not going to start. Uh, making those changes that are that we want for ourselves because we do change all the time so you know having a look at uh what we need to change uh definitely behooves us uh also looking at authenticity again that is something that changes over time you know what is authentic for me today might not have been authentic 10 years ago uh, so constantly going back to that okay Am I showing up as authentically as myself? Or 
is there something that is still lagging behind or something that I need to uh, create change around? Um, constantly looking at that behavior. I think that's the part that's the most difficult for most people is the fact that the who am I mm -hmm. is the most difficult journey to be able to go into. Because I think for most people, it's like ripping off the band-aid of you've been living this life for this entire time of where you're living for your parents or you're living for your community or you're living for your society and your identity and things like that. Once you basically go on the journey of really finding out who you are authentically, a lot of people aren't going to like it no. because you're going to be bucking the trend on the fact that what they have as expectations for you are expectations. And I think that's something of where I keep asking a lot of very powerful people who have made the journey before of what is it that you did to be able to be an up and coming person. Like when you go from pretty much an anonymous person to becoming someone that's a, a billionaire or world famous or things like that, there's really no, you know, instruction manual for that kind of stuff. I mean, someone like Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk, you know, they're both kind of maladaptive social people in the sense of where since, you know, Elon Musk has Asperger's and I don't know if there's an issue with just Jeff Bezos other than sending weird things in the internet, but um, you, know, you have those two people who are two now the most wealthy men in the entire world. So they're thrust into a spotlight that must be very, very difficult to navigate because there's no manual for that of where you'd be this, this well-known and, you know, in that space. And yeah, you can have your team around you and you can have all that other kind of stuff, but it's still, I think it's that journey of where, when you step off that ledge of the conformity of whatever is expected of you, it is going to be that chrysalis. It's going to be that cocoon. It's going to be being in that chrysalis of knowing that you don't exactly know what the butterfly is going to look like at the end. But if you look at all of the things that the butterfly has to go through, a lot of it looks really, really painful. Mm -hmm. And I know one of my favorite stories is when they tried to scientifically cut the chrysalis to see if it made it a little bit easier, the butterfly came out deformed and it couldn't fly. So we have these journeys and we have these difficulties on our path to be able to do that. And when we look back, we kind of see these divine fingertips that were kind of like guiding us to do that. And almost every single person that I know whom I respect, and I think that they're amazing because they're embodied in their own authenticity, those people went through some stuff. Mm -hmm. They experienced things. I mean, I mentioned on this podcast before that some of the most amazing human beings I've ever met in my life have been Holocaust survivors, because they've had every single thing taken away from that. But when they're here in California and they're wealthy and they have grandkids and, you know, they're living a good life, that was the best revenge that they could do. And they have a joy in their life of gratitude that's completely different than anybody else who's just lived a ho-hum life. Mm -hmm. So in some ways, even the way we now baby children, I don't know if it is in the UK, but all the car seats and the, the, the you know, the helmets and the things, I mean, you know, back in the day, there were no helmets, there were no things, you skinned your knee, you busted your head open, you bled, your mom kissed it better, and then you went out and played again while you're bleeding. It's like, you know, it was just something of where you had to have that opportunity to fall. But in a lot of society, we don't want children to have to have those experiences because they're unpleasant, and we don't want them to hurt. But in a sense, in this, that really is actually to their detriment. Yeah, and uh, I think there is certainly a balance between, you know, the the laissez-faire parent and the helicopter parent um, where you know you coddle them to the point where you're wrapping them in bubble wrap or you're just tossing them out and say go and play in the street um, so i think the 
yeah, there, there are certainly aspects today that kids are being too protective. Uh, but at, I think that, you know, like I, I always uh, say to uh, my young or my daughters, you know, when they skin their knees, I hug them and I say, well, are we still alive? Yes. Okay, we can be grateful for that, right? Okay, so we get a little perspective on it, right? Um, you still give them the comforting and you give them the, the uh, you know, the support, but at the same time, give them a little perspective on their experience, right? Well, and a lot of this stuff is basically you have to reparent yourself. You have to come back from the perspective <laughs> of, you know, parenting yourself from the fact that, like, you didn't get the comforting or you didn't get this or you didn't get that. So then it's like, you know, if you're reparenting yourself in the most beautiful, loving way possible, that's why it's really, really important to switch things to a perspective of self-love because a lot of times we take on what other people believe about us. And so a lot of people are actually quite abusive to themselves. And so it's like, if you can start, you know, practicing self-love for yourself exactly where you are and not wishing you were someone else, that makes like a huge difference. And then you can step into that kind of new version of yourself, but it's still, you've got to, as what you were talking about with clearing the core wounds and like we have a program with the infinity of life where we do that, but it's literally to me, the way I look at it is that story in, I think it was either Cambodia or, um, or Vietnam where they had the, the people that were coming that were going to basically take the solid gold Buddha statues and so they basically took all this mud and they packed them in mud and they packed them in mud to the point of where they couldn't find them. But they literally were hidden for like, I don't know, 600, 700 years. And finally they were able to say, oh my God, there are all these gorgeous solid gold Buddhas that are basically behind all this mud. So they took the mud off and then finally they're able to be able to, you know, display these absolute gorgeous things. But I think in a lot of ways, that's our process too, in the sense of where we have to take the fire hose, and literally blow all that mud off to the point of where we find all that beautiful shiny golden light that is truly within us. And when you can go out there and shine that beautiful light around to the world, it makes the world a better place. And just even something like a smile can make a huge difference with brightening up somebody else's day. That's how you spread sunshine. For sure. Um, and that's showing up as a role model in, in your community and your networks um, can have that change without you and this is where I'm coming from the perspective that, you know, if you are the process of self-development or you're out uh, doing your uh, kind of uh, seeking to uh, become the optimal version of yourself, um, you know, when people start out on this process or this uh, path, a lot of times you become, I was anyway, I became very eager to tell other people about it and, you know, every, why isn't everybody doing this? Um, but I think it is important to know that as long as you show up as the best version of yourself and you show up as a role model, the people that resonate with that will then gravitate towards you. So it's absolutely, it's the chrysalis, it's having the acceptance for your own journey, having the acceptance for everybody else's journey. Uh, and when you're looking at your own behavior, having the patience with yourself to say, you know what, I'm not going to be able to change overnight and just being aware of it and being aware of the path that I want to take, um, then I know I'm going to do the best I can 
at, at any given moment, and it might be two steps forward and one step back, you know. Thank you, Barb. Um, and just taking that those steps, uh, at least progressing, you know, it might very well be that you're zigzagging and you take some steps back and so forth. But having that patience for yourself and the acceptance that this is the journey I have to go through, um, you know, pain is inevitable, but suffering is optional. Suffering is a choice. And just being aware of that and having the responsibility or taking the responsibility uh, for for the actions or the uh, the behavior that you bring forth at any given time um, is then going to allow you to continue on that journey. So, and uh, as a final point there, what I wanted to make is also that, you know, when you start making these changes, you start making these changes to your behavior, be aware that there are people that are going to be triggered by it. So you may very well see friends that you've had for 30 years uh, that don't resonate with you any longer and they will kind of fade away. And then there are going to be other people that resonate with you. They're going to start coming in. So it is this uh, flowing in and out, uh, depending on where, you know, where you are in, on your path and where you are in your development. So the oftentimes, you know, when we uh, when we look at these different experiences we have, we talk about the impermanence of the experience. Uh, you know, all the things that show up to teach you about yourself. Yes, there may be people or characters that are with you for a long time, but you know, life in itself is impermanent. So. Uh, it's really looking at having acceptance for your own journey and saying, well, if they're not resonating with me anymore, then I accept that. You can still go through a grieving process and accept the emotions that come up and experience those. But uh, having that acceptance for yourself will allow uh, that process to be not about the suffering, but really to just learn how you feel these th different things. Um, yeah, Christopher, I, I, uh, I really resonated when uh, you were talking about acceptance, because I think for me, anyways, in my journey is been really important to learn to accept, you know, when um, I am faced with these triggers, and how my how my behavior and my actions are, if I um, am grateful when I have the opportunity to be able to catch that ahead of time and be aware of it and kind of um, you know like you said like pattern interrupt which is great but when I don't you know when when that doesn't occur is be able to accept how I acted and behaved and look at it as an opportunity to be able to um, change that going forward when that or a similar situation reoccurs giving me that opportunity so you know I think a lot of the times in personal development and when I think back at what Barbie was saying you know people will come and say well I have the same pattern coming over and over and over again um, accepting that that's where you are in your journey and um, you know uh, where you are um, and maybe you're not, you know, necessarily ready to let that go right now and, and looking inwards um, is really important. Um, of course, we want to all get to a place where we're free of these triggers 
and we are forever just instinctively coming from a place of love. Um, but by the same token, we have to be able to accept ourselves and, and not be so hard on ourselves when when we're we we're not at that place in that moment. Thank you, Ashanti. Um, I think it's if you look at uh, your path as an onion, uh, and I know it's a pretty popular metaphor, but if you can see the and this is the interesting part. You, you, you can see your core wounding, which is the core of this onion. But in order to resolve it, you need to peel off the outer layers uh, to reach the inner core of it. So, and this is where the acceptance and the passion uh, or the patience comes in, that you may not be able to resolve it, but as long as you're working on, uh, on resolving the... Uh, that which you can resolve and that you are aware of your path working towards resolving the core of it, then you know that you're, you are going to reach that goal eventually. But if you're not working on it and you're not aware of it, then there is no way for you to reach that, uh, that core of it and be able to heal that core. Um, it is this striving forward constantly and knowing that you know, uh, what I learned today is going to help me uh, in progressing to the next stage or to peel off the next layer. It's just constantly uh, giving attention to uh, the healing that you need on any given, uh, any given time. And just knowing that, you know, your behavior, the way you behave, is always going to be the best you can do as long as you focus on doing the best you can. So it is uh, a beautiful process when we can learn to accept our own journey because then we also get compassion, we become compassionate for our ourselves and our own journey and the struggles that we go through or the pain that we experience, uh, but we can choose not to suffer. We can choose to look at our experiences um, as gifts to learn about ourselves as opposed to victimize ourselves and to uh, suffer from uh, the pain that we experience. Because the pain is there to ultimately, uh, for us to learn about ourselves and how it feels to be human and to see ourselves in the world around us. So, okay, that's behavior. Uh, one, I suppose, last thing there is, you know, look at, look at the things that exist energetically around you today. You know, looking at what movies do you watch? What, uh, you know, how do you react when this, uh, the news are, is on? You know, do you get, do you feel good? Do you, you know, if you don't feel wonderful within yourself, like in your body, then ask yourself the question, why? Because at any given time, we should, take away that word should, but we have the possibility or the opportunity to just feel wonderful and blissful all the time. But when we can go in and say, you know what? I have tension there. I wonder what that's about. If you once you start asking those questions, you're compelled to get an answer.
where you're compelled yourself to give yourself an answer. Um, and it is really starting to ask those questions and start looking at our own behaviors. How does my behavior make me feel? Really, like when I go deep inside, how does that make me feel? Does that anger really serve me? Does that really make me feel good? Or does that create a lot of fire within me that is actually burning me? Is it creating tensions that is actually damaging me physically? So constantly having that questioning go on and question our own motives. You know, why am I behaving like this? What is this behavior I'm doing? Where is it coming from? What is triggering it? Is it serving me? Is it serving me, uh, my higher good? So taking a, point, a perspective of what am I surrounding myself with and how does that make me feel? And what am I sending out in terms of my behavior? Um, and how is that making me feel? You know, this is not a point of placating your surroundings or people around you. Because if you show up authentically as yourself and people don't resonate with that, you're not responsible for their reactions to you. Um, as long as you're being authentic and are able to have that self-awareness that if you do tr trigger others, then perhaps ask yourself, okay, uh, what, what is my motive of triggering others? Why am I triggering others? Is it because they are, I am showing up authentically as me, I'm showing compassion, I'm doing all this, uh, things and yet they are being triggered by me it might just be that you're vibrating on completely different frequencies so they are just annoyed by your compassion well that's not your responsibility so there's always this balance between you know placating versus uh you know being your authentic self so keep that in mind but constantly question your behavior and see how you might be able to uh, optimize your own uh, self, as it were. Well, then I would like to thank everybody for joining in today and thank you for your comments and uh, just bringing your beautiful energies and uh, making these discussions possible. Um, I wish you all the best and I will see you next week. Take care now. Bye. It can absolutely be a challenge uh, to identify and shifting those behaviors especially if they are entrenched and uh, you know they are deep rooted in our belief systems and so forth for the first step of uh, becoming aware of our uh, own behaviors and uh, being aware of what behaviors we want to shift is really the first and half uh, way of the journey there if you would like some help in identifying behaviors that you might be exhibiting and uh, that you want to shift, uh, then please feel free to contact us on thealchemyexperience.co.uk and uh, we'll look at uh, creating workshops in our mentoring and coaching services to uh, assist you in identifying and then ultimately moving in towards uh, shifting them uh, towards healthy behaviors. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Alchemy Experience podcast and uh, hope to see you next week when we release the next episode on Friday at 11.11 British time. In the meantime, take care and have a good one. Bye.